0: You are listening to Saturdays with the Story Dude, a bi weekly podcast about the film industry, screenwriters, the world of screenwriting, and anything film and TV related. I'm your host, Jared Dean Winchester, and got a great episode for you this time around because today it is all about, or rather, It is mostly about the film industry in a post-pandemic world. The reason I bring this up is because there was a question asked on the internet asking this exact same question in the exact same verbiage. So I'm going to answer that. Now, I put up a video on YouTube explaining what the pandemic itself meant for those in the film industry and how it encouraged them to think long and hard about their creative work and how it gave them an opportunity to think outside the box or Think long and hard about the choices that they make and not just resort to any sort of mediocre kind of content, and also how it gave them more time to think about all this. But what is this going to look like post pandemic? Well, folks, I believe. My favorite filmmaker and director of the Lord of the Rings trilogy has the answer, or rather had the answer, when he was directing the Lord of the Rings trilogy. To put this into perspective, guess what he did different, or guess what he did revolutionary? Folks... He used video conferencing to manage the production. How did he do this? Well, apparently, the um, teleconferencing was provided by the then company Telecom New Zealand. Right now, they are being called Spark. Plain and simple. I get that. But they used to be called Telecom when The Lord of the Rings was filming. So basically, what happened here is one of the writers, Duncan Nemo, who was also an information technology manager of Three Foot Six Limited, a New Zealand based company and his two-man crew host hoisted heavy heavy equipment, including spools of military-grade fiber-optic cable, battery pack, wireless computer modems, and an 8-foot-high antenna up Mount Ruhapehu. Keep that in mind, folks. Mount Ruhapehu is a very popular mountain in the region of Tongariro National Park. That's Tongariro, National Park, Maori And that basically sums it up That's what made Peter Jackson's debut Into video conferencing It enabled video conferencing for Peter Jackson To manage different units in different areas In different locations While he was filming So practically, he didn't need to do a lot of traveling gear, folks. All he did was he used video conferencing to manage it all. So what this means for the post-pandemic film industry is there is a chance that directors or filmmakers or showrunners even will have the opportunity to use video conferencing such as Zoom or such as Slack or any application video conferencing application to jump the gun or rather take the bull by its grab the bull by its horn. And it will allow filmmakers to manage their filmmaking from one location. So the filmmaker can be in one location, while the crew could be in another. So be stationed in another, crew and the actors, and the filmmaker can easily direct instead of holding a megaphone. Up up to his mouth and say action or cut. so that's my prediction. It is my prediction that video conferencing can be used and would be used in the production of films, provided we still have to maintain social distancing. ...for this kind of thing. And I believe... ...it can happen right now... ...even with some restrictions... ...and even with... ...something like... ...lockdowns. You can even have... ...actors... ...in their own home... ...or you can even have... ...films... Simply by using video conferencing stuff or what you can also do is you can even hold auditions using video conferencing instead of booking a place and working your way through you know, each actor and waiting having a separate camera and all that You can easily achieve this by video conferencing means. Now, video conferencing technology has come a long way since when Peter Jackson directed his films. So, it shouldn't be a showstopper. Now, I'm not exactly sure how the logistics of this is going to work, but... To tell you the truth, I happen to believe that if anybody can figure something like that out, it's visionaries like Peter Jackson. And I believe he was the first guy to use video conferencing in the filmmaking industry. So, that's how he was able to manage filming of different locations and save a lot of money on the production. Believe me, this would save a lot of travel money, or this would save a lot of expenses. Like, I don't know, permits, maybe? If video conferencing was used... And it could save time if video conferencing was used for auditions and some similar stuff or like rehearsals. So, let's what I believe may happen, what I believe should happen, so what I'm going to do now is let's take a break and when I come back I have a story for you and this story comes from Hinduism Learn the craft of screenwriting with the guys at screenwritingu.com They have free classes for you to test the waters. And then they have the Pro Series courses, which are the flagship of the Screenwriting U courses. The owner and founder is actually an expert in the industry, and you get to learn not only the craft of screenwriting, but also the business of screenwriting. So what are you waiting for? Inquire today at ScreenwritingU.com. That's ScreenwritingU, with a capital U, dot com. Welcome back. So before the break, I was telling you about how Peter Jackson, quite revolutionarily, used video conferencing to keep the filming of Lord of the Rings on track. Basically, that's how he was able to save a lot of money in production costs and how he was able to deliver a quality product. So now what I'm going to tell you today is actually a story. It's not going to be a discussion of a movie but what we are going to do is we're just going to Talk about the story of Krishna. Now, you may have heard of the term Hare Krishna, or you may have heard about the guy in blue skin holding a flute, and maybe you've seen a uh, sculpture, a sculpted figurine of said man with blue skin and a flute that's Krishna folks and Krishna is actually the eighth avatar or incarnation of Vishnu the god of maintenance Not only is Vishnu the god of maintenance, he also protects. He's a guardian. He protects the world or the universe from evil. He delivers it from evil. And so does his brother Shiva. But what's... Different or what's sort of similar with Krishna is he sort of resembles the story that you all know which is about Jesus Christ. It's a similar story and I'm going to tell you the clip notes version the shrunken down version of that story. So basically, I'm going to have to warn you here because some parts of the story will disturb you and, quite frankly, turn you off. But make no mistake, dear folks, the story of Krishna is inspiring to many Indians. So here goes. So, it starts off, or rather, I'm going to start off by saying that a man, or should I say a demon, who has a cousin, sister, Devaki, and the demon's name was Kamsa, what happened was, as he was driving... The chariot With His cousin Who Just Got married To Prince Vasudeva They were just Cruising around Riding along Until A voice From the heavens Told him That the eighth son Born To Devaki Was gonna kill him Was going to end his life. So, after that message sent a chill through Kanza's spine, he immediately drew his sword, grabbed a hold of Devaki, his cousin, and he said something to the effect if she lives to have this kid. I'll slay her before that. But her husband, her newly wed husband, being the Nating Shining armor as he was, stepped in and stopped Kansa. But he had to promise him something. He promised that every single one of the kids born to Devaki, Vasudeva was going to surrender that kid to him the moment that kid is born. So that's exactly what happened. The only problem here, or the the only atrocity here, was the minute the kid was born and the minute that kid was handed over, To Kansa, guess what Kansa did? He killed the baby. And that's how the couple lost six of their kids. All of them were boys. Here's where it takes a turn for the slightly better. When Devaki was pregnant with the seventh kid, apparently Vishnu intervened and he transferred the fetus of Devaki and he transferred that baby to Prince Vasudeva's second wife. Now keep in mind... That polygamy was still legal It was still common Back 5,000 or how many other thousands of years that was So what Vishnu did Was He transferred the fetus of the 7th baby From Devaki Into the 2nd wife Who then gave birth. Now, here's where it got interesting. Here is where it got pretty common. The commonality with the story of Jesus Christ. So basically, the eighth kid, the eighth son, who eventually would be Krishna, Was born past midnight on a stormy night, and when the guards fell asleep, when David Key started having contractions, the baby was born, the chains that held Devaki and Vasudeva together in a dungeon. By the way, I forgot to mention that Kansa had thrown Devaki and Vasudeva into a dungeon where Krishna was born. And continuing with the story, now, as Vasudeva took the kid, this eighth kid, his son, the savior of many, and wondered how the hell he's going to get out of there with the kid. The doors open, and he was able to walk out of there, and this is where a little bit of Moses comes in because the river Yamuna gave way to Vasudeva to pass through so that he would continue on with his journey and guess where the child ended up? Guess where the baby ended up? Guess where Krishna ended up? in Gokul, a village, where his friend, Nanda, was there. Now Nanda, at that point, had a baby girl. So what happened was Vasudeva placed his son with the sleeping mother of this baby girl, Nanda's wife, and he took Nanda's baby, baby girl, thinking that Kansa would never hurt a child, a baby girl. We'll see about that. So Vasudeva returns to the dungeon with the baby girl. And le- leaving his son safely in the hands of Nanda, his friend And returns to the dungeons But when Kansa comes storming in Or comes marching in Demanding the baby He just did what he usually does grabs the baby and this time however before he's about to kill it it escapes his hands into the sky and a heavenly voice says to him the one who's gonna destroy you still lives and you thought you were gonna kill a girl your fate is sealed Maybe not in those exact terms, but that was practically it. And he was devastated. So, for seven years, Krishna was safe. Now, within these seven years, guess what happened? Putana, a demon. Who was known for killing babies Set out to do exactly that On Kansa's orders Because he ordered Kansa I mean Kansa ordered Putana To Go out And kill every baby born Within a short span of time Every newborn baby born So What Putina did was she smeared poison on one of her breasts because she was going to feed the baby, which is exactly what she did. She killed a lot of them, made her way to Gokul and to Krishna eventually, and what happened there was... Putana, as she was about to, you know, feed Krishna, guess what? Krishna ends up killing her. Now, Krishna was also known when he was a kid, To have raised the mountain, Govartana, on his pinky finger. And there are pictures of that. But then things got interesting and after several attempts by Kansat to destroy Krishna or to kill Krishna, He ordered Krishna to come to Madhura, which is the kingdom he was taking over. He took over. And that was the kingdom where his mom and dad, Krishna's mom and dad, were actually in prison. Or in prison, in dungeon. At that point, Krishna was seven. And lo and behold, folks... Krishna ends up killing his uncle eventually thereby fulfilling a prophecy but it didn't stop there Krishna as you might all know grows up marries not to one but eight women And so starts the story of the Bhagavad Gita. The Mahabharata and the Bhagavad Gita, that is. Because Krishna inspired the Bhagavad Gita, apparently. And what really happened was he... Thus things like shows his cosmic form to his cousin Arjuna. We all know that iconic uh, picture. But you know, in the end, Krishna departs this world because he was shot by a hunter in the toe. And what happened was just that. Because, yeah, that was his life. That was his story. Now Krishna is known for playing the flute, and he is known for, you know, Doing all sorts of crazy things, which people found to be not just amusing, but insulting. So, there it is. That is the Clip Notes version of the story of Krishna. Krishna. If you'd like to know more, I would recommend you ask an Indian you know. About more details, about more stories about Krishna. Because there are plenty more. I just gave you the clip notes version of this. So, with that being said, let's end it right there. And, as always, thank you for listening. This is Jared Dean Winchester from Saturdays with the Story Dude. Thank you for listening. And as always, I will catch you around for a new installment of Salaries with the Story Dude. Until then, don't forget to turn that page.